0: Hey, good morning, everybody. We are so glad you're here. Hey, Family Feast, it's a great connection event. Uh, just show up a week from Thursday. You don't have to make reservations or anything. We'll have plenty of food for all of you. Uh, this is part two of a three week series called From Our Heart to Yours. And last week, you know, we were looking at youth ministry and what we're doing with our next gen team. And Tyler and Emma were up here presenting. We had an awesome worship team up here comprised of all young people. And so it's good stuff. But today, we're gonna spend time talking about um, how we care and love for people in our church and how we do that for people outside our church. And so I'm Steve Allen. I'm the local and international outreach pastor here. And Drew and I, we are gonna team teach this one today. So between two guys that are like halfway decent
1: Maybe we'll be really good. So, all right, Drew, why don't you introduce yeah, right. yourself and we'll go from there. Well, I'm Drew and I am the recovery pastor here at VRL. It's good to be with everyone today. My life is a life that's been miraculously transformed by the love and power of Jesus Christ. So as we, as we work through uh, teaching through uh, what we're doing through local outreach and care ministries, we want to emphasize the who, how, and why behind them. You see, these ministries are reaching people for Jesus Christ because we come alongside people who are struggling or experiencing difficulty or they're, they're in need of care. And as Steve and I were preparing for this message today, we asked ourselves this one question If Valley Real Life disappeared, would anyone notice? And I would suggest they would. I would suggest it's not just what we do that matters but it's who we are as disciples of Christ that makes us noticeable. You see, as God's agape love is working through and in us and is perfecting us, he's using us to show himself and reveal his mercy and the miraculous to people all around. And friends, that's contagious. Like bugs drawn to a light on a hot summer's night, as we minister to people facing hardship and difficulties, They want to know what it is that we possess. And when they experience it, they experience transformation. And when they experience transformation, they can't help but share with others. Let me tell a story to illustrate my point. One hot summer day, a, a man enters a small town. And he's fallen on difficult times. And he's poor. And he's incredibly thirsty and hungry. And he's been traveling for some time. And as he enters into town, He notices a junkyard on the edge of town. And he's hoping to find some food, so he heads into the junkyard and he's confused and overwhelmed with hunger. And he he notices nothing but a bunch of rusted wheels covered with algae and moss. And desperate, he decides he needs to settle what's immediately available to him. So he begins scraping the algae and the moss and he starts to eat it, starts gnawing on this rusty wheel. And a guy's passing by, and he goes, dude, like, what are you doing? Do you realize that's a rusty wheel? And he said, man, I'm hungry, and I didn't see anything else to eat. He says, hey, man, don't do that. Let me take you to where there's some real food. So the two men start to walk in a town. It's one of those towns where there's shade, re- shade trees on either side of the street. And as they stroll further and further into town, there's an overwhelming smell a freshly baked bread that's coming from the bakery in the middle of town. The further they go into town, the smell becomes stronger and stronger. And then they hit the bakery and they open the door and the bell clangs against that metal door announcing their arrival. The warmth created by the ovens is obvious and the baker has this kind, gentle look. He said, hey, I, I see you brought a friend. Let me give you something to eat. The baker takes one of the loaves, still still hot from the oven. It had just been pulled out and he drops a lump of butter in and it oozes out of the side as it immediately melts. And then he hands it to the man and the man starts to eat and he immediately devours it. And the baker points to an ice cold pitcher of water on the corner of the counter and the man eats and drinks till he's satisfied. Afterward, he thanks the baker for his kindness, and day after day, the man comes back. He returns, and, and he, the baker told him, he said, he said, come back anytime. Feel free to bring a friend, but each day as he comes back, he helps out with the task around the shop, and he starts to be well-known and loved by the people in the town, and as a result, he gets a little place on the outside of town, and one day, he's traveling in the town, And he passes by the very junkyard where his story had taken a a turn. And he just happens to look across the junkyard, and he notices that rusty, those bunch of rusty wheels covered with algae and moss. And he sees a guy sitting there in the middle of those rusty wheels. And he yells across the junkyard, dude, like, what are you doing? He said, man, I'm hungry. He said, let me take you to where there's some real food. Do you see how it works? It tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, we're told, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will give them the same comfort that God has given us. We, we all know a few people that have come to Jesus out of a sense of gratitude because Everything was going well in their life. However, I think that for most of us here today and online, we gave our lives to Jesus Christ because we were going through some difficult time or challenge in our lives. And like the man in our story, somebody shared the hope they found in Jesus Christ. And it motivated us to go to the source. The message of our local outreach piece from our heart to yours is quite simply, we're beggars showing other beggars where the bakery is. Because we've experienced God's love, we share that with others. Because God is light, we reflect that light to a world that is perishing. Because God is compassionate, patient, and gracious, we seek to reflect those very same qualities in the relationships around us. Because God is our help. We can't help but help others in need because God gave so sacrificially. We're motivated to sacrifice to reach out to others. And this isn't true of just individuals, but it's true of churches as well. And there's no more beautiful or powerful thing than when people are in alignment with each other and with the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're moving with one heart to share with people who are overwhelmed, in a a broken, fallen world. Where there is pain, we can bring comfort. Where there is despair, we can bring hope. Where there is need, we can bring abundance. But most of all, in the midst of every circumstance, we can bring them Jesus. Because it is him who is able to do immeasurably far more than we could ever think or imagine. It tells us in Matthew 5, your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. You cannot hide a city that stands on a hilltop, and who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, its a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them and they will give praise to your Father in heaven. So as we go through this lesson today, let's do a gut check, right? Let's check our light. How is our light shining both individually and as a church in our capacity to reflect Christ's love and character to a community and region around us? Steve? Amen, Drew. I feel like I just go home because, you know,
0: it's just that, not because you're preaching, but, you know, it, but that idea, isn't that what church is about? It's like, hey, letting our light shine to the community that's around us. And, you know, I love the question that Drew started with. If Valley Real Life disappeared, would anybody notice and would anybody care? And, and you know, I don't know how new you are to this church, um, I just want to take a little bit of time and just share with you that there's a lot of people that would notice and a lot of people that would care. A lot of you that are sitting in here came because somebody reached out to you, somebody cared for you, somebody loved you, somebody cared enough to knock on your door, somebody cared enough to invite you. That, because, people, that's what the church does. That's who we are and, you know, and this isn't just something that Drew and I, you know, hey, this weekend, hey, you know, let's, let's make up something. No, we're looking at scripture because, you know, as, as we look at what Jesus said in John 13, and he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know, it's pretty simple. And, you know, it's one of those things as we open up the Bible, whatever the Bible says to do, we probably should do it. It just makes things go so much better when we just act in obedience to whatever it is that Jesus is calling us. And he's calling us to love. And, you know, it's, it's that part of this is who we are. You know, if this church is known by something, you know, what I hope for, it's known by everything's about Jesus and we love well. You know, the other stuff, it's it's okay, it's great, it's good. You know, it's great we got a playground and, you know, ample parking, but it's about Jesus and love well. Let's love people well. And, you know, when they were asking Jesus, hey, what's the greatest commandment You know, this in Mark 12, Jesus says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. But the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus did. And that's what he's asking of us. And, you know, and I just think, you know, I don't know how new you are here, but, you know, when COVID hit back in March of 2020, You know, which is like the greatest day in the world. We all just celebrated, and it's like, oh, sweet, no school. And now, you know, as a church, it was really a wake-up call of how are we going to care and connect with people in our community. Within a week, we had a food bank set up right in the foyer. We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people show up to our food bank. We had dozens and dozens and dozens of volunteers that came down to pack boxes, You guys gave financially, and that's the food we bought. You guys donated food. That's the food we gave away. Would anybody care if VRL disappeared? Those hundreds of families that showed up, they sure would, because it made a difference to them. They felt like, and we heard this message over and over, I can't believe you guys care so much. It's like, man, what a great thing to be told. I can't believe you care so much. You know, and then, you know, we heard about what was going on down at the arena that, you know, they were having homeless people in and and they're doing meals and they're, you know, and all of a sudden we got wind of it's like, hey, we can sponsor one of those. And, you know, so financially we bought the food, but I think even more importantly is we had real people go down there, men and women and kids and families, to just connect with people, people that are marginalized in our community that maybe feel like nobody cares, but you know what? The church does. The church cares. That's what we do. You know, just recently, we had the police department here on campus doing training with their canines. And you, you know, you know the, the story when you're out hunting or camping in the woods you just, and a bear's chasing you, you just gotta be faster than one person. I'm that person, and so the police were like, hey, Steve, why don't you come outside, and you can be our our chase down guy, and uh, yeah, you know, whatever, but it was so cool to have the police department here feeling like, wow, people care that we're trying to protect the community, and then a couple days later, this place was packed as they held their graduation here and you know we were here serving them making it work for them our tech team was here volunteers were here making this event work for them because the church cares the church loves and we were able to love you know our police force during covid i don't know how many friends you have there in the medical community it was tough and so we're just like how how do we help the workers the doctors the nurses the staff at the hospitals and you know we thought well we can we can just reach out and so we provided gifts, and energy drinks. And maybe the most important thing is we we wrote handwritten cards. And you guys out here, you're the ones that wrote them. Just saying, hey, we're for you. We love you. We are so thankful that you're doing the hard work in our community because that's what we do. We're the church. And it's so exciting to see that. You know, and it's the same thing, you know, we provide counseling here from professional counseling to lay counseling to just friends of people that, you know, they're just struggling through a season and they need help. You know, we we try to do that with our schools. You know, it's been amazing. And you're gonna hear this more and more because we realize this opportunity we have with our schools, you know, we right now we're having extra focus on Green Acres Elementary, Riverbend Elementary. You know, Tyler and the whole Next Gen team, you know, they've been reaching out to the high schools and the middle schools, doing things like this, providing a meal for the staff. And you just think, well, they get, they get free and reduced lunch every day as a staff. You know, they, they get their own food. You know, I was a teacher for 23 years. I don't think at once in those 23 years we had a community group come in and do a meal for us. And the message that we're sending them is like, we love you guys. Thanks for investing in our kids, in our families, in the community. You know, and you know, Jan Roseliff, she, Jan hides in the back over there. You know, Jan runs Point on this. Jan's killing it, finding ways that we can just love our community. You know, she, she's organizing people that wanna volunteer, doing these little gift bags, you know, for some of the kids, just as encouragement. You know, when you're eight, school's hard, maybe things at life or at home aren't going great, and all of a sudden, somebody steps in, it's like one beggar telling another where there's bread. And, and we're just providing a little encouragement note to these kids. Sometimes it's more tangible than that. We, at, we had three kids at Riverbend Elementary, you know, that told their PE teacher, who told somebody, who told us, and all of a sudden, there's like, hey, these kids need shoes. You know, we, we're going to Uganda a month from today. There's Thousands of kids that need shoes, and I always think, well, that doesn't happen here. Yeah, it does, because there's three kids at Riverbend Elementary right now that got shoes from you guys. And if you ask the question, would anybody notice if VRL disappeared? Those three kids would. Absolutely, those kids would. You know, it's even like with refugees at Christmas time. you know, you heard about the big campaign, we're going to build a playground and furnish housing. You know, we're, we're going to start digging on that playground here in the next couple of weeks. It should be done mid-August down at the Thrive Center. But sometimes to put a, a face to it, you know, one of, the other initiative was to furnish apartments. We had this family from the Congo. This is one family. They were in a refugee camp for 12 years trying to get out. And all those stories you hear about refugee camps, they're real. This family shows up to an apartment that had beds and furniture and dishes and linens. All the comforts of home that they have never experienced because the church said yes. Would anybody notice if Valley Real Life disappeared? That family would. That family would. And that's the beautiful thing. I mean, it, some of this stuff's as recent as yesterday. We had a group of men that went downtown. They've been doing this. You heard Mark Davis' story a couple weeks ago. They rented a whole shower system, I don't, I don't know, on the back of a trailer to, to provide showers, you know, for some of our homeless people. And you know, for and it's not about the shower, it's not about the food, it's not about the shelter they're providing. It's about these guys just reaching out and making people feel heard and seen and valued. And they know, and Mark says, yeah, they call us the church people. Amen. Isn't that a great thing to be called the church people? You know, that's that's what we want to be known. Oh yeah, the church people, that's the valley of real life. That's the church people. They love well. That's why we do it. Then the question of how do we do it. I mean, you've been hearing some of these how pieces. But, you know, what it really comes down to is one person reaching one person. It really is that one beggar telling another beggar where there's bread. I think about the widows here in our church. That over the last year, two years, we've been really trying to make an emphasis for, on how do we minister to our widows. And, you know, and it's such a tangible thing. And the reason we do it is because of James 1.27. It says, true and undefiled religion is this, that you care for the widows and the orphans in their distress. You know, even kids that are in foster care and adoption. You know, I'm an adopted dad. Drew's an adopted dad. Pastor Dan's an adopted dad. You know, we had a foster family picnic. We had, I think it was 700 and some people show up that are in That are foster families just to be encouraged. That that was the whole thing. Hey, we love you. Thanks for doing the hard work. And you know, sometimes you don't get to see the other side, like our widows ministry. You know, we're we're going to Uganda in a month, and the two needs that we had were one, we need wound care, we need band aids and Neosporin and all that stuff, and we're collecting stuff between now and the twenty fifth because. There's 800 orphans underneath Pastor Ronald's church. The other need, I I just think, you know, it, it feels so insignificant. Ronald's like, Steve, could you bring suits for our pastors? And it's a big deal there for a pastor to have a suit. And he has 32 church plants. Last week, two of our widows show up. Man, I love our church. And they're like, this was my husband's suit. He would be so proud that one of the pastors in Uganda is wearing his suit to preach the gospel. That's what the church does. And I think about, you know, these widows that, you know, are, are in this tough time getting ministered to, or it's like, no, I, now I want to minister to somebody else. And I think, That's how we do it. You know, we do it in life groups, doing small communities together. You know, our single moms, trying to come alongside them and to love well and take care of them. You know, it's everything from, you know, really trying to develop this prayer ministry. How can I pray for you? You know, we don't want to be a church that prays. We want to be a praying church. You know, that it permeates everything that we do. That's why every, every service we have people are here to pray for you, because we want to care. It's how we do it. Whether it's benevolence and helping with financial needs that we have here, helping hands, people that have some skills that it's like, hey, I can come alongside you and maybe help, you know, finish that project you have. Maybe it's Stephen ministry of just people that want to love well. You know, one of the primary ministries we have here is recovery ministry. And since Drew, you're the head of recovery ministry. Why don't you tell them about it?
1: <laughs> oh, guys. Wow. That just blows my mind. Recovery, for many of us, we hear the word. Many of us tend to immediately think that, well, I'm not one of those people. I mean, I'm not struggling with drugs or alcohol. And I, I want to tell you, I think recovery is far more reaching that. And I would encourage everybody to consider the possibility we're all in recovery, Right? Jesus says the good work he begins us, he's faithful to complete in the day of his return. That means it's not completed until it's completed in the day of his return. There was a definition I recently heard that I like. It's called, uh, it says that it's the act or process of regaining possession or control of something stolen or lost. Question What's been stolen or lost in your life or has been recently? that you need to regain possession or control over? Is it freedom over the allure of some struggle or habit? Is it healing amidst a divorce or the loss of someone you love? Is it peace and sanity over choices you've made and the chaos that's created or the choices someone else has made in your life? Is it healing over childhood trauma that resulted from abandonment, abuse, or neglect? In addition to CR and the different things Steve just talked about, this is why we offer a wide variety of care options, like divorce care, grief share, pure desire, betrayal, and beyond. These are places where people are finding wholeness and healing. We all live in a fallen world where we struggle with all kinds of stuff that will rob us of the abundant life that Jesus spoke of. Problem is, some of us are just better at hiding it than others, and many times as Christian Christians, we want to present ourselves as having it all together, and it's a fallacy. Let's be honest. It wasn't because we realized that we didn't have it all together when we originally came to Jesus. Listen to what it says in the book of Matthew. Matthew invites Jesus and his disciples to come home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, how does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. He added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call those not who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Friends, we have a motto here, and you've heard it shared for, you know, through the, the, uh, the stream that's, that starts the service in the hallways. No perfect people allow. That's why we call ourselves Valley Real Life, where people are experiencing our honesty that we go through things in life together. And I want to encourage all of us here today, it's normal for us to struggle with stuff and go through difficult times. The key is we don't have to go through it alone. This leads us to the why we do things the way we do through VRL's local outreach and care ministries. And the answer is simple. And you've been hearing about it. It's because of transformation. The promise of God is that he wants to do something for us In us and through us, that only He can do. And in doing that, He's doing it all around us. It just blows our mind. It's miraculous. The cool thing is that when people are personally experiencing and are transformed by the miraculous love and power of Jesus Christ, they simply can't keep it to themselves. Let's take a look at this video. It's a leopard. Stay back! Cover your mouth! Don't breathe his air! Don't
0: come any closer! It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, no. Rabbi. Rabbi, Rabbi, you, you, you can heal his don't disease, don't you can... Please... Please... Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. What can I... what can I ever do? now? do not say anything to anyone. You don't seek your own honor? Please just do me this one thing. Uh, But what do I tell people? Go, show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way.
1: Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Don't you just love that video? We are like that leper. How many of you here in the audience today have felt on the outside alone or abandoned. Raise your hand. That's us. That's us. But yet, listen to what it says. It says that, uh, excuse me, let's flip page. <laughs> Notice what Jesus told the man. He said, tell no one but In spite of Jesus' instructions, the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people kept coming to him. Behind me you see the faces of only a fraction of those whose lives have been transformed and are faithfully reflecting God's love to others. And the people are experiencing power through their care. They represent the very heartbeat of local outreach and care at VRL and what it means to live out the reality of our mission as a church to be and make disciples. Steve?
0: That's really good, Drew. Thanks. Um, Drew, I'm I'm just curious. We're going to finish up by just a a little Q&A time between uh, the two of us. So, Drew... If, if you need care, or someone here, obviously, we all need care. If
1: someone needs care, what are some steps for them? What, what should they do? Yeah, one of the things I would say is to scan the QR code in front of your seat, right? Because it'll give you, it'll take you to a place where there's a wide menu of stuff that we offer as a church. It's an amazing thing. So you can actually see what's available. But the other thing that I would encourage people to do is to realize the shame and guilt many, time, many times hinders us from wanting to reach out and get that help. And I would come against that. I would tell you that that is a straight out of the pit of hell, right? Condemnation or condemnation is the enemy's ploy. Toxic shame says there's something wrong with us. You're not alone. I would encourage you to connect in to a group, to connect into someplace where you can begin to share your struggle with others because you'll realize the more people you share with, the more it's divided and it will help you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steve, yeah. how about if somebody wants to get involved with care, how would they go about doing it?
0: Yeah, if you want to get involved, the first thing I would encourage you, just look around you. You know, look in your home, look in your workplace, look at your school, look in your neighborhood and just start meeting a need. Find a need and meet a need. Or if you want to do it with us, I mean, we have many, 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 many opportunities for you to get involved. Many of them. Scan the QR code and there's a place there you could hit serve. Come find me. Find anybody with a lanyard and just say, hey, I want to serve. What can I do? You know, and I like following kind of the in and out Burger thing. Find a place inside the church and find a place outside the church that you can serve. So, Drew, you know, You and I, I mean, we've probably been Christians combined now, I think, 85 years. So in your years of ministry, how have you seen this care, connect, love lived out?
1: One of the things that's beautiful, I've seen in many different venues, Um, I started working in child care and family services, working with at-risk teenage boys in a Christian uh, child care and family service um, agency. Then I went and saw it uh, firsthand through working with... um, um, Uh, Crisis pregnancy, ministering to women that were in a situation where uh, they got pregnant out of wedlock and were, you know, kind of working through that. And then I also seen it, I've seen it in recovery. I've been doing recovery work for the last 20 years. But one of the things I want to tell you, and I said this earlier, there's no greater thing, no more beautiful thing, no more powerful thing than when you see a group of believers. Who come around and they align themselves behind the love of God. And they're in alignment with Jesus Christ. They're moving and they want to encourage and they want to care for one another. And they want to reach out to a community and share that with others. That's happening right here at VRL. Mm-hmm. Whether, you, whether you recognize if you We're not called to be passive. Right? And I'm seeing that. And I've been here six months now. And it just blows my mind how God is using this church and he's growing people in that heart of Jesus to care for each other. Yeah, Yeah. amen. How about you? You know, I think for me, I I, I always look at Exodus
0: chapter four where God's talking to Moses and says, Moses, what's in your hand? And he goes, well, I got a stick. You know, and so God uses that to part the sea, to bring water out of a rock, to lead the Israelites out of slavery. But, you know, I I, want to tell you, What's in your hand? Uh, Lynn Allen came to me after she heard about our Christmas thing with the Ukrainians. And she goes, Steve, I, I know how to make really good Christmas cookies. And so she went down to the Ukrainian center, gathered these Ukrainian women, and taught them how to make American Christmas cookies. And now these Ukrainian women are teaching her and some other women how to make Ukrainian Christmas cookies as a way to minister and begin relationship. I thought, that's really cool. Just last week during this service, um, I was sitting outside, out on our patio table, and I met Kim Bowler. Never met Kim before Thursday, or before last Sunday, and she said, Steve, I want to serve. And I, and I, I said the same verse, Exodus 4, what's in your hand? She goes, I know how to swim. I was like, yeah? She goes, no, I know how to swim a long distance. And I was like, really? She goes, yeah, last summer I was the woman that swam the length of Cordeline Lake, the very first one. And she goes, this summer I'm swimming Lake Chelan. It's 50 miles long, but I want to use it for kingdom purposes. And so she remembered what we were doing with the well. She goes, hey, would you help me do a sponsorship where people could sponsor my swim so that we could build a well in Uganda? And I was like, that's a really cool idea. So the question is, what's in your hand? You know, I I love Cheryl Green, knows how to play the piano. So she did this uh, fundraiser to help this family adopt a baby. And it's like, that's cool. You know, for some of you, it's like, hey, I know how to pray. That's in my hand. You know, start praying. A week from Monday, we got a youth team going to the Philippines. Pray for them. You know, they need that prayer. So just get involved. So, Drew, why don't you uh, wrap us up?
1: All right. So everyone, let's revisit our initial question. If VRL were to disappear, would anybody notice their care? Do you think that if VRL disappeared, teachers would notice in our community? Do you think if VRL disappeared, that hospital workers and doctors who experienced COVID would notice? Do you think that if VRL disappeared, that adoptive families or foster families would notice? Absolutely. And I would suggest the biggest reasons why I'm confident that Valley Real Life Church, if it disappeared, people would notice is because we love and care for each other well. But that doesn't mean we've arrived. We can continually grow in that. What are your next steps in growing in that care and love for others or receiving that care for others? How can you demonstrate that love? How can we care for you? Are you willing to step out and be part of a community go, I need help right now. It's okay. Or how can you care for someone else in need? How is God transformed or transforming your life? A testing leads to a testimony. Perhaps it's learning to develop your testimony of what God's done so you can share it and encourage someone else. Friends, The key thing is we want to be those people that are being used by God to minister to others. The God of all mercy and all compassion who ministers to us in our time of need that we would do the same with others, that they would glorify God in the process. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what a privilege it is to be a part of this church. The church is not the place where we go but it's who we are. It is your body that's out there serving in the world. It's reflecting your love, your light, your care, your compassion, your mercy, the hope, the freedom, the wholeness, the healing. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would continually perfect us. You would grow to be more like you, Jesus. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.